a lot of people that make money selling in PK, and a lot of folks that just think the secret to great successful yields and bigger uh, and bigger bushels is to throw more NPK out there because that's what we've been taught are going to say, what in the hell are they talking about? I don't even know where I buy carbon to go out there and spread it on my fields. Exactly. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explore can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey, greetings, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ash Cutting the Curve. We are talking about carbon today, not carbon credits, not carbon sequestration, not any of that stuff that we maybe covered before. We're talking about carbon specifically, why it's more important than the macronutrients of nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. Yes, there I said it. It's not something you can go and buy at the co-op or drag retailer. So how are you going to put it into the soil to get bigger yields? And more importantly, you're asked a question. This guy seems like he's crazy. No, it's not me. It's my guest, Al Toops with a company called Biome Makers. And Kelly Garrett, one of the original founders of Extreme Ag, his son, Connor, Arian, Iowa, Northwest Iowa Farmers. They are big on carbon. They're going to tell you. Because they're the experts. They're going to tell you why carbon is more important than NPK. I'm going to start with, I think, Kelly. Is that where I start this journey? Or do I start with Al? Why is carbon more important than NPK? Photosynthesis and feeding the microbial system in the soil is the simple answer. Yeah. Al. You're the agronomist. You've been in this business for 35 plus years. You are trained in agronomy at Oklahoma State University. You came to this company, Biome Makers, and uh, you've got you, you've you've made all the mistakes. You know you you know what we did back in the old days, and now you're talking about carbon. Nobody would have done this back when you started your career, right? Well, when I started my career, you're thinking about you know. Obviously, young agronomists getting into the world of ag retail. That was that's where that was where it was happening, you know. And so we were thinking about inputs. Everything's about inputs. What are we putting into the farming system, cropping system? And your my my thought process was protective. Or you know, we got to think about uh, preventing fungicides, insecticides, NPK fertilizer applications, this type of thing. And we're only thinking about what the plant is taking up. But Kelly's exactly right. When we look at the, over the years, I began to dis, really discover through understanding the microbiome that what is the plant producing and what is the plant providing to the soil biology? And what the plant is producing is carbohydrates. It's feeding the soil. I mean, when you think about that powerhouse of energy in, a, in, a, in an acre of, of corn, for instance, how much photosynthesis is happening and how many carbohydrates are going into the soil profile. This untapped resource of energy is something we've never really thought of. It's what the plant's producing instead of what we're getting off of it. So carbon is essential. It is the governor of every soil operation. Every farm should be more concerned about carbon, I think, than any other input that they put in. 
it's probably hard for, uh, you know, even in the everyday vernacular right now, we hear about carbon every second of the day, climate change, climate change, climate crisis, carbon, carbon, carbon. And so the average person thinks that carbon's this evil thing, <laughs> that carbon is this, is this, it's, it's, it's going to kill us all. And in agriculture, we're like, no, actually, we need that stuff. Uh, somebody answer this. Yeah, I mean, soil contains three times more carbon than the Earth's atmosphere. It has uh, four times more carbon than all the animals and, and uh, plants on the surface. So, I mean, the soil is the energy. That is the battery for life on planet Earth. And if we don't, we don't take care of that and manage it properly, then we deplete our, our other, you know, everything else related to the soil profile. So how does, how does that feed it? Well, it's all about this symbiotic relationship between this miracle of nature, which is called photosynthesis. The atmosphere has this warehouse full of carbon dioxide that the plant's the only source out there that can, can make that available to the soil. So that interchange between the plant and the soil and the atmosphere and the, and the soil happens between the plant processes and that process is essential to, to future for, for future growth of whatever it is you're growing on that farm. So storing carbon should be something that you really kind of look at as an opportunity to be able to really build your equity in your farm. Connor, you've been out of college for a little over a year. Iowa State University, esteemed land grant university that it is right there in the one of the most agriculturally productive states in the union, and you were an agronomy major. How many of your classes did we talk about carbon? And then how many times did we talk about carbon being as important or more so than the macronutrients? So we talked about carbon a couple times, um, talking cover crops, talking a couple different things, but it definitely wasn't a main focus. And we never once said it was more important than NP or K. All right. <laughs> What's your, and, and your thoughts, are these, are these just some old kooks over here talking? Is Al finally, you know, he's, he's, he's at the, toward the end of his career. He started smoking some weed. He got a little crazy. <laughs> is he just a kook or is he know what he's talking about? You give me the 23 year old perspective, uh, agronomist to agronomist. No, I, I, I don't think he's uh, gone off the deep end. Uh, your NPK really is secondary to your carbon because all that NPK, it, you're not going to get most of that without biological life, without, and you're not going to get that without feeding it with the carbon. So it's a it's a secondary process. If you're not if your carbon is not right, your NPK are going to be even more off. And Al can correct me if I'm wrong, but we don't even know how much how much of the photosynthesis, the uh, carbon that the plant is fixing, is kicking out of the soil. Right? Is how high is that percentage, Al? Let me tell you a little bit of it. Just some real. Wait, 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 real quick. Restate just because I want the listener. This is a, he was Connor uh, came to life there, which I really like. And you just asked a question, restate the question, how much, because I want to make sure the listener has that to get the a really good answer from Al. The plant, the plant is in the process of photosynthesis. The plant is fixing carbon. What percentage of the carbon is it using to build plant structures versus what percentage is it putting out into the soil, into the rhizosphere to see for, for that biological life? Good question. So, there's two or three things to look at here. So when you look at the contents of the plant metabolism, all right, 90% of the plant's structure is hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen, 90%. 
So the other 10% is made up of nitrogen, sulfur, phosphorus, potassium, calcium, these minor elements, which are very very small percentages. 90% is CHO. 90% CHO. Now, a lot of people wouldn't really think that those are nutrients, but they are. Carbon is a nutrient. And so what, what's essential to that is all the other organisms. So you look at the top, I would say a quarter of a tablespoon of, of topsoil is about, uh, oh, I don't know, 10 billion organisms in a quarter tablespoon. There's more, pe- there's more organisms in a quarter tablespoon than there are people on the planet. So what we got to do is find the sources to feed these organisms. And that energy produced in one inch, one inch of topsoil, a healthy topsoil, energy produces equivalent to 10,000 people doing the same job. We can't physically match the energy that's produced in the soil if it's fed. So the way that's fed is through carbohydrates. Photosynthesis, carbon dioxide feeds the micro, what, we, what, we, what I told you before was the mycorrhizal fungi. That's the transition between they feed on the carbohydrates in exchange for nutrients from the bacteria that's there. And so if you don't have this relationship in balance, then you end up losing that ability for that plant to pick up those other minor nutrients. It's still gonna have carbon as its base for its structure, but it's not gonna have the full story and you're gonna get less yields. I mean, I've heard stories and I know everyone's trying to get three, 400 bushel corn, but in the proper soil conditions, we should be getting five, six, 700 bushels. Right. And so we could do that if we really build our carbon, our carbon storehouse. That's, that's the energy, that's that, the battery. That is, by the way, that is a huge statement that you just made. You just made a huge statement that everybody's trying to get 300 bushel corn, but with the proper soil, what'd you say there? With the proper, what, what do you do properly? So the, the proper symbiosis, the proper carbon storehouse, the, the right channels to build carbon in the soil. You'll, you could, you could, you're, you're, you're storing up a food source for the biology that will help move these nutrients. And you said 600 bushel corn is possible. I just know that most of the people listening to this, they just dropped their phone. They get really excited. You know, nothing gets farm people excited like well, massive yields. You hear, uh, you, you, you talk to some of the breeders, they'll say that the potential for a bag of seed corn is 900 bushels. So we're, if we're getting 300, we're getting a C or a D. You know, all right. I'm 75 for an average. I'm going to go to Garrett and Son with GLC, Garrett Land and Cattle Company. Is carbon the limiting factor? You know, we, we talked to the previously, the limiting factor oftentimes, the limiting factor, factor usually on uh, record yields is the operator. But is, and, and I know that sounds mean, but that's why folks come to the extreme ag because they're saying, you know what? I can get better. And for me to get better, I'll make yield because I'm the limiting factor. But is carbon the limiting factor why we're not getting 600 bushel corn? No, the lack of understanding from the grower on how to use the carbon, yeah. how to store the carbon, that is the yield limiting factor. All right. So let's talk about storage of carbon. Um, you, you know, by virtue of having a plant growing out there, it absorbs carbon dioxide. That's the photosynthesis process. And then it puts it into its plant. And then some of that goes into the soil. That's what we just talked about when Connor asked you a question. What more can I do? I mean, well, I, the, plants, the plants out there, it's do, I, I can't go out and tell the plant to work harder. What am I supposed to do? If your fungal species are inadequate, and that's one of the things we measure with our report is we like to show a ratio between fungi and bacteria. If that fungal population is low, then you're not storing carbon. 
It's going, it's gassing off. And so you have to build those fungal species back. That's the, that's the, that's the mechanism that moves this and stores it in the soil for the, for the, for the future life of that plant in the next generation. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If it wasn't for those species and made in nature, we'd be wading neck deep in dead plants. So the process of breaking down last year's soil resi or plant residues and making them available in the form of fungal populations to build up, to, to act, adhere to the roots next yeah. season is essential. So that fungal, that fungal piece is a major, major part of why we're not storing carbon. And every time we plow and every time we apply fungicides, we're deteriorating that population. So you just said that we, we, we can make the plant, we can do better about getting carbon into the ground, but it's got to be through not tilling and, and not disturbing the fungal and the, yeah. the, 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 fungi, the fungi, we, we call mycorrhizal. That's, that's the, that's the species that attach to the root. Okay. Connor, Fungals. Connor and Kelly, is that the deal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Is there, yeah, he talk, talked about, he talked about the energy source and, uh, I think uh, just a short story here that, because this will quantify it yep. when we put on lime and we're trying to adjust the pH, you have to put on, if you go put on three ton of lime, Al, you're going to move the pH of the soil a very minute amount. Correct. Right. You know, right. like just, a, uh, maybe a couple tenths of a point. Would you agree? Agree. In 2020, right out here, you know, outside the shop, between the shop and my house out here, you know, we're trying to raise 400 bushel corn and we're taking tissue test and soil test in season to see how the soil change and the tissues were changing. And this, you know, then the derecho came, so it ruined all the data we were trying to collect in the end. But the, do you remember taking these soil tests when the, when the crop was hungry and you're coming into that ear fill time and it, you know, that huge uptake time of the plant, and, and we're talking about we're talking about the carbohydrates, the exudates that the crop is pushing out. Our soil pH dropped a point and a half over a two-week period until the crop, and then the ears got full. Do you remember this? And then the ears got full, and all of a sudden it came back. So now we as man are taking three ton of lime out and we're trying to adjust this pH. And it's like two tenths of a point at a time, three tenths of a point at a time. Sometimes it doesn't even move. And the magic, you know, as we talked about before, a photosynthesis, Damien, mm -hmm. moved the pH of the soil 1.5, dropped it a point and a half in 10 days, and then it came back. Yeah. Tell me that that is not a powerful energy source that we know nothing about. If I had taken my soil samples somehow during that time, I'd have been like, holy crap. <laughs> we couldn't put enough lime on this field to get this uh, situation right. Or there's too much lime, whatever. You said it varied by, varied by 1.5? It did. The, so the isn't, the scale, wait, isn't the scale 14, 0 to 14? Yes. Okay. It's so seven is, new, seven is neutral. Right. You want it to be about a 6.2. Yeah. You know, so, so you, and... You know, and this soil out here is a 6.2 to a 6.5. It dropped it to a 5 or even maybe a 4.8, and it came back. And that's because the exudates, the, Al calls them carbohydrates. I would call them exudates. Uh, this carbonic sugar, you know, and hit a little side note here. Do you know how many people you ask, why does the plant conduct photosynthesis? And they'll say, well, it captures CO2. Well, what does it do with it? Uh, and we don't know. 
but a certain percentage of it is that you know the O2 is released off and the carbon is made into a car carbohydrate, a carbonic sugar that is very uh, that is very acidic, and it's pushing it out through the root system. And there's an exchange going on in your in your soil. The microbial system in the soil is offering the plant plant available nutrition, and the plant, the root hairs of the plant, are offering up this carbonic sugar. And a little trade takes place. Yeah. So the more carbon that we can put into the soil, the more we can trade with the microbial system. The microbial system then has a little party and replicates itself and offers up even more plant available nutrition. So the key to higher yields is putting more carbon in the soil. So we have more to trade with the little people down there. I, I like it. And I like the little people thing, but why did that change the pH level? Why, because, why? The, because the carbon we're pushing into the soil is very acidic. So it drops that dropped the pH while they were eating. And then when yeah. they got done eating, it comes back. But as I say, then it was a short-term thing. Al? Yep. Well, Damien, you remember that I told you the 90% of the three essential elements that we look at, one of them is hydrogen, and that's all the pH is, is a measurement of hydrogen, percent hydrogen. And so what, what you're doing there with this process is you're allowing more hydrogen to come into the, through the photosynthetic process, the carbon dioxide. So that hydrogen fact, you know, it's another one that we really need to spend more time focusing on is how to, how to capture more hydrogen in the soil. And we've done that with carbon, you know, carbonates, and that's what liming does. But the whole point is, is that I think the plant in a, in a natural system with a healthy soil biology, you're going to actually have a balanced pH. Kelly's right. You, you, that we've done those measurements as well in, in research. Connor, are you, are, are you keeping up with this? Are they tell, is this new stuff or is this stuff that you already knew? I, I've heard a lot of this stuff, but I'm learning a lot too. This is interesting, yeah. All right, so we're going to go back to the thing we covered in a previous episode. You think that after we get done, more people should be doing this, and and you think that at we where you went to school, they're they're not talking enough about carbon. Nobody's talking enough about carbon. All right, so I want to go to the other one. Is there a maximum amount? First off, I'll, before I get that, how am I going to get more carbon into my soil then? So, I mean, the guy listening to this right now says, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with any of this. Um, and, and also, I might be able to sell carbon credits if I pump more of it into the dirt. How, how do I, same thing we just talked about. If I want to put more nitrogen in my soil, I can do it what we've always been told. I run down to the co-op and I get me a bunch of anhydrous wagons. I come out here and just, just pump it in there. If I want to, you know, get more of a... Phosphorus, I can go and, uh, you know, grab the dry stuff and fertilize the hell out of it. How do I get more carbon in my dirt? The easiest way, well, you want to have a healthy, balanced soil that, you know, so the, the microbial system is there wanting to receive it. And then the easiest thing on the top of my head, the first thing I would do is cover crops. Always having something growing, always having uh, photosynthetic activity going on in your soil. All right, so the recommendation number one is have a healthy soil. Well, that's kind of like saying, Hey, you want to not be sick, be healthy. Well, come on. So to get to a healthy soil, I mean, that's, let's make sure that it's right. Action steps, the actionable steps that our listeners, cause they listen to extreme ag for a reason. They want to be able to take it and actually apply it to their, to their farming operation. Right. So, so to me, so to me, start, uh, you say start with a cover crop. A cover crop will, you know, you're, you're, you know, in our northern latitude, obviously it shuts down for a while. Uh, but that cover crop, 
that cover crop growing and always having something growing on your soil conducting photosynthesis. And then like when I say a healthy balanced soil, I'm talking from a base saturation standpoint. Okay. And you know, like in, in our hills here, we have too much calcium. That's why we apply sulfur to help the calcium precipitate out and make the other the other nutrients become available. Then, then the microbial system can make them available to the plant. So you need to balance the soil from a base saturation standpoint. You need to add the cover crop to put as much carbon in as you can. So we have a very active biology, very active biology in our soil. Connor, you're 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 Garrett Landon Cattle. You're the you're the next generation. What is your recommendation? What do you what are you going to tell me to do to get more carbon into my soil? Uh, first step is to stop tillage. I would say that's really what we need to look at is no till systems as much as we possibly can. And then somebody and then one of our one of our listeners like uh, Matt Miles is going to tell you I'm conventional. I I, I have to till. Um, is he, if he cuts back, does it help or is it no till or nothing? I, I, it's different for every person, I guess, but the, the least he can do is probably best. I, it, it depends on the farm, depends on the conditions, of course. But when we're slicing open that, that soil, we're exposing all that to the air, you're killing everything. You're killing, you're killing a lot of the fungus that's storing the carbon, like Al said. So as, much, as little tillage, as little soil disturbance as possible that you can do is the best. Uh, like he said, cover crops, if you've always got that growing, you've got that photosynthesis kicking carbon down into the soil, that, that's huge. Um, those, are, those are the two main steps. And then like he said, a balanced soil from a base saturation standpoint, first and foremost, otherwise your biology can't work right. Al, is there anything else I can do? I just got, yeah, there's, I got, I got used cover crops. Start with the healthy, start with the healthy soil. And I already called out Kelly and said, but that's like saying if you don't want to, you know, be sick to be healthy. And he said, no, a healthy, balanced soil. And he went down the whole thing about your pHs and, 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 and those kinds of things. And then I heard uh, used cover crops and I heard no till or the very least reduced well, tillage because the right. less tillage you do, the better it is a carbon getting in your soil. What else? Well, like I told you earlier, those three top components are hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. So we got to figure out, and that's what Kelly's talking about, is carbon fixation, which is through the photosynthetic process, the soil biology. And then you have aerobic respiration. So one of the things we really ought to focus on as well is the amount of oxygen in the soil, which is essential. Oh, boy, now we're getting exciting because now a recommendation to get more carbon, I also have to get more oxygen? You have to. How's there room, for both? Hey, how's there room for both of it? Well, you figure that half your, you know, when you look at water, the biggest molecule on it is oxygen. And so what we got to really figure is how to, how to get better, you know, uh, at, at, I would say aerobic respiration, cut down on your methane, better firm, not as much fermentation, you know, wet soils cause aerobic situations. All right. So what happens to get more oxygen? In other words, I'll get more carbon in my soil if I get more oxygen. To get more oxygen in there, the old school thing would say, get more oxygen, that means I need more airspace. Get more That's airspace, right. I got to go out there and till it and lift that no. soil up and provide airspace. I'm just telling you what we used to think. I know. Right? I know. And I thought the same way. But the best way to get airspace is through roots. And, and, and that's, that's, why, that's how it happens is that the, the plant has the ability to open up these pathways and open up these channels for better uh, I would say aerobic respiration. 
Okay, so to get more air in the soil, I got to have roots. And then it goes back to the cover cropping thing. Now, we did a thing for a while, and it's not as popular as it was. Radishes, I don't know, say 10 years ago, because the idea was them great big old things went down, and they opened up a big bunch of, uh, you know, improved porosity and all that. Is that what we're talking about? It's a good place to start if you're wanting to start cover cropping. From a from a heavy tilled soil, yes, because it opens up and breaks up and breaks up hard pan, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so get more oxygen in the soil, and then you talk about um, roots. Roots do it. Uh, earthworms help or no? Earthworms help. Earthworms are essential to providing biology and also to bring air porosity. Okay. And open up these channels. Okay, and then what else can I do to get more oxygen in the soil? You said going out and till it, the old the idea of going out and lifting it, lifting it up and fluffing it and moving it and all that, that doesn't actually put more oxygen in the soil? No. No, mycelium is the best source for removing oxygen, and that comes from the what we'd call the roots of a fungi or, or, the, or, the, or the, the fungal spores and how they begin to populate that soil biology. So the best thing to do to get air in the soil is to have a good, solid cover crop no tillage practices and to begin to build your organic matter. Okay. And as you, as you begin to build organic matter, then you have, you know, this ability for really have a good, strong storehouse. Lee Lubers is one of our guys. He farms a bunch of acres in Gregory, South Dakota. Um, I think they had the Iditarod at his farm not too long ago with the, the sled dogs, because it's that much of a wintry place. How the hell is he supposed to have cover crops up there when they only have a growing season and, and then it turns to winter? How could you do cover crops in that environment? Can you? There's, I've been watching more and more of a permanent type systems inside. Uh, I saw a guy that was using alfalfa as a cover crop, growing corn and alfalfa. It's unusual, but I see that in some of those colder climates. Uh, it's tougher, no doubt about it. There's no way around it if that, if that uh, shuts down in the, in the cold, cooler seasons. But uh, as long as you have that short window of time in the summer to build that soil biology, it'll do it and freeze it, and it opens it back up as soon as the soil moisture gets warm. Person that tells me, no, I can't use cover crops because it'll use up all my moisture. I'm in an arid climate. What's your response? As far as cover crops and arid climates, yeah. you know, the number one, the number one identifier for soil is climate. So there's a reason they grow cactus in Tucson. <laughs> I don't know how you can grow. I don't know how you can grow corn in, in those, some of those climates, but uh, some people try. All right. So is it true that cover crops are going to use up all your moisture? I, I think the answer no, is no, right? That's not true. That's, that's, that's a myth. All right. What else? Is there anything I need to know about adding carbon to the soil? Is there anything else I need to know about uh, ways to do it or the benefits of it? You were talking about the benefits of it. Is there anything that we didn't cover on the, on that whole thing? I mean, you have used carbon, you have carbon sources that are, that are strong, that last a long time. And that's some of the humic acids and other things of that sort. But the best source of carbon is carbohydrates from the plant. That's the, that's the ones that the plant can actually feed the biology immediately. So I think those products are great. They will, they work long-term, but over time is, is you're, you know, you're not going to build up a lot of carbon. When you look at how much carbon is in the soil and Kelly can look at this front of his soil digestion, it's 26,000, 30,000 pounds per acre on the top six inches. Of uh, carbon? 30,000 pounds, 15 tons of carbon per acre is what you just told me. There's more than that in some cases, but there are, there is a lot of carbon in these soils. It's just, just like any other nutrient. It's just not being utilized by uh, the active biology that would okay. be added as a source. All right. Uh, don't ask the Garrett, the Garrett, the Garrett kids. Uh, 
is there a maximum amount of carbon that my soil can hold? Connor first. Is uh, there car can I get to where I'm carbon? I'm carbon saturated. I I, I don't know the answer to that question. The uh, textbook ideal soil has always been five percent organic matter. What Al, what do you think about that? That's five uh, percent organic matter is an unusual number anymore. I don't usually see that. I, I usually see it in most of the I states around three. Uh, there is some fives, but for the most part. And then you go out to California and, and the southeast; those are less than one percent. A lot of these farmers are growing crops with with really low organic matter. Yeah. Okay. So it, you just brought up an interesting thing there, Connor. Organic matter. We know we see it in the soil testing. Does organic matter equal carbon and carbon equal organic matter? Organic matter is carbon, but organic matter isn't your only carbon. Isn't that the accurate statement, uh, Al? Yes. Yes, they're not, they're not, they're not, the, they're not the same. Carbon, the organic matter is not your total carbon source. No. Yeah. Organic matter, organic matter is carbon, but it's not the only carbon in the soil, right? Right. Correct. Okay. So, uh, Al. Can I, can I get to where I'm carbon saturated? Can I get to where that I have all the carbon my soil can hold? I don't think so. Not in a natural system. If you look at some of the rainforests in the South, you know, they're, no, I don't believe you can over, overfly it. Can I, can I get to where I'm carbon poisoned? Can I get to where there's too much and it's a problem? The plant will respond. I don't believe so. No. Okay. Well, because if uh, look at the other things, we've compared it to NP and K for this episode. I can have too much nitrogen in my soil, right? I could have toxic levels. Uh, I could have toxic levels of nitrogen, correct? You sure can. I mean, think about that. Nitrogen's not, an, it's a nitrogen cycle, just like the carbon cycle. There's a reason it's not found in a solid form in nature. It's that we've, we figured that out with the Davies law, the minimum back in the 1800s is that that's the most limiting nutrient. Add it and then you get all this explosive growth. There's a reason why nitrogen is 70 percent of our atmosphere is NO2. Isn't it 72 or 74 percent of our atmosphere? Yeah, there's a, that, that, that nitrogen cycle is very similar to the carbon cycle. Yeah, but what so, I just said is when it comes to the soil, since we're comparing C to NPK, I can yeah. have too much nitrogen and it can be detrimental to my crops, right? Right. And I can, right. Have, and I can have too much P. These, these farms, dairy farms, that they get in trouble because they just keep putting their manure on the same fields next to the barns, and it gets where it's like, hell, there's, there's too much phosphorus in that soil, and it ends up being a problem, correct? Yep. Uh, and and uh, sometimes gets into groundwater and all that. When we have too much K, can we have too much K where it causes a problem? Potassium, yeah, we can. Okay, but you're saying we can't have too much C. Because it's such a it's such a it's such a storehouse. The soil can store more than we could ever put in. Got you it. can't apply it through a spreader to make to accumulate what the plant can produce. Got it, Kelly. You're all about the carbon. We're going to wrap things up here on this episode. Why carbon is more important than NP and K? What did we not cover? You know, well, one of the things, obviously, uh, I know it's known that I want to sell my carbon credits, but I don't farm in the fashion I do because I want to sell carbon credits, I farm in the fashion I do is because it's best for my pocketbook. It produces the best yields. Yeah. And the fact that it aligns with the carbon market is just a nice bonus. It's a coincidence. So I, I just, I really want people to understand that we do what we do because it's the best agronomic practice. And it just happens to fit in with the carbon market. 
Yeah, I, I really like that. That we're not we're not out here farming for the carbon credits. We no. And your education, you have evolved. Yes. When, Bern, when Connor was born twenty three years ago, and you were that was about your beginning of farm being a farmer. Right. right? Okay. Right. Did you even think about carbon? No. No. You were out there just saying, "I got to go and I got to go to the I go to the co op and go get." Nobody me, talks uh, about carbon because nobody can sell it to you. Nobody talks about carbon because nobody can sell it to you. I like it. So when did your evolution begin? When did your carbon evolution begin? Uh, I would say when I was approached by the first carbon market to sell. In the uh, spring of 20 is when I first had a deep dive into it. You know, I, I worked with an agronomist, Steve Kilpack, starting in January of 15, and we had conversations over it. But... Uh, in the spring of 20, meeting Al, uh, the carbon market, uh, you know, Nori uh, approached me about becoming the first person in the United States to sell my carbon credits. And then uh, happened to meet Al about the same time, like I said. And that's when, uh, over the last couple of years, was when we've really tried to become educated on the subject. And what we, uh, what we have learned is that we don't know very much. Yeah. But uh, we've made great strides. I've made great strides because of Al and because of Nori. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. Uh, the future, Connor, you're our future. What are we gonna What are we gonna do about carbon five years from now? Carbon's again, it's 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 all the buzzword. Every pick up the newspaper, it's about carbon, carbon, climate crisis, carbon, all this and that. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna What are we gonna be doing five years from now when you're pulling the reins there, at Garrett Landing Cattle? <laughs> it's well, it's you become just, a lot you of, just chuckle because you don't think you're going to be pulling the reins at Garrett Lane no, in no. five years? You don't think the old man's going to hand the reins over in five years? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's become a lot more of our focus in recent years here, and I think that's going to be a more widespread pattern, and I think it's going to become even more in the, going down the road. That's That's – the thing we need to look at the most, like Al said, it's the powerhouse, it's the energy. It, uh, I heard an analogy once that NP and K are like vitamins and you take a couple of those and you start to feel a lot more healthy, feel a lot better. So you decide not to eat food anymore. Like food is the carpet. That's, that's what we need as our main source of energy and power. And we need to focus on that. Connor, why did you wait until this point in the episode to actually say something that succinctly, intelligently insightful. Uh, were, were, you, were you saving it in case I didn't ask? Yep. We going to just go to bed with that one for God's sakes, boy. What did you just say? And say it again. Even Al is like, Holy shit. The kid that said was something that was, what did I just say? Succinctly, intelligently insightful. And it was in a, it was in a bite size. It was this little nugget of genius hey i'm glad you waited i'm glad you waited connor you know what i wouldn't even i i, I would have not even said it for god's sake say it again <laughs> NP and k are vitamins take me from there okay it i heard in NP and k are like your vitamins and you're not feeling good one day you decide to take these vitamins and you feel a lot more healthy you feel you feel better so you decide not to eat food anymore because that's equivalent of what carbon is that's your energy source and all of a sudden you just want to focus on these three little things that are a very small percentage of what you are as a person 
And it's the same way with the crop and the soil. That we're, we're looking at a very small percentage, like Al said, less than 10% of the plant. The rest of it is that carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. And that's where our focus needs to be. Fruit. Oh. Wow. All right, Al. I, I really appreciate you being here. Do you got anything to close out on? Because that's a pretty oh, man, that, that, that out, was right? fabulous. It's it's great to hear that from the young from the young agronomists coming up. That's, and it's that's not fun. something that they taught. It's not something that you thought or was taught back 35 years ago when you began your career either. Al. No, no, no. Got it. Kelly Garrett, one of the founders of Extreme Ag area in Iowa. His son finally very late, very late in the game. He's like the kid that came in. The game was pretty well lost, right? And 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 there you were, and he and, and he puts up he puts up twenty four points with three minutes left. Some and like the newspapers are like, where did this kid come from? That's what we're going with right there. Al Tubes from a company called Biome Makers, and uh, you know where to find us at Extreme Ag. Very awesome episode. N P and K are the vitamins. Carbon is the food. You will not be healthy if you only take vitamins. Understand that. That's why we called this why carbon is more important than NP and K. Till next time, check out all the cool stuff we're doing at extremeag.farm. Share these episodes as best you can. If you have a topic you want us to cover, send us an email at the website and we will delve into it. Kelly Garrett, Connor Garrett, thank you for being here. Thanks for having us. And Al, thanks for being here. I want to do this again because I really like your stuff. Oh, thanks, Damien. Thanks, Kelly. And Connor. Until next time, it's Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits. <laughs>